Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, she's back. Dina Saig Dahl, attorney and legal analyst. Also in the bullpen, my debate segment, I have Cassandra Shand, commentator Young Voices. We're gonna talk about foreign policy around Ukraine, Russia, should be interesting. Top story of the day. This is actually an update. Remember when we reported on a white female who saw a fender bender, decided to take the law in her own hands and kill an elderly black man, okay? She was eventually arrested for the murder. Now, we're talking about three years ago. We brought this to your attention because the NAACP in the local community of Clayton County, Georgia, said this was taking too damn long to be set for court. We have an update. After reporting on this story, it is now set for court. The court calendar is moving forward. Let me give you the background. Let's put up a picture. Her name is Hannah Payne. Hannah Payne, nearly three years ago, was charged in the murder of Mr. Kenneth Herring after she attempted what she called a citizen's arrest. The parties are now scheduled to appear in court on Monday, April 18th for the 9 a.m. court calendar. Let's put up the side by side picture of Miss Hannah Payne and Mr. Kenneth Herring. You see him there. He was brutally killed by Miss Payne. Now I want to remind everyone of how heinous this crime was. She saw a fender bender. She decided to pursue the individual, Mr. Herring. Mr. Herring was actually experiencing a medical issue. She then called 911. 911 told her, stop pursuing. We have the information. Stop pursuing, and she said no. She cornered Mr. Herring and his wife, took out her gun, loaded her gun, and put a bullet in his body and killed him. The NAACP sent me this message. On behalf of the family and activist, I truly thank TYT Network and Dr. Rashad Richard for bringing light to this case. Because of their reporting, much needed attention was brought to the demand for justice by the Herring family. That credit, ladies and gentlemen, that credit goes to you. Those who support this program, those who give a damn about what happens in communities all across this nation and beyond. Because of you, it put enough public pressure back on this case and this case is scheduled for trial for the court calendar this month, this month. And we just reported on it, all right? Let me give you some background. Payne allegedly shot Mr. Herring after witnesses and 911 operators say she followed him from a fender bender on Clark Howell Highway. This is in Clayton County, Georgia. Cut his red pickup truck off with her Jeep at Forest Parkway and Riverdale Road and put a gun on him. Now remember, this is a fender bender. According to the state's warrant, Payne did remove the firearm from her person during an altercation, loaded a bullet into the chamber, pointed the firearm at the victim, and pulled the trigger, striking the victim in the abdomen. 
put up her picture again, that's a killer. Now that's a thug. According to courtroom testimony, an EMS worker on scene said Mr. Herring appeared to have to be having a diabetic emergency. Herring's wife, Christine, also said she thought he may have been having a diabetic emergency and was trying to drive himself to the hospital. But instead, this person put a picture up again, decided to kill him, all right? Clayton County Police Detective Keon Hayward testified that the EMS responder said Herring seemed disoriented and that Payne ignored a 911 operator who told her not to follow Herring. The NAACP Clayton County branch says the case was taking too long to go to trial. President C. Cinnamon Baldwin has spearheaded a campaign to increase public awareness of the Payne case. On March 8th, Baldwin and Herring's brother Keith filed a complaint with the Georgia NAACP about the case's slow pace. And that is when they got in touch with us and we decided to get involved. That case, as attorney Griggs from the NAACP quoted, that case is now scheduled for April 18th. Payne faces two counts of felony murder, one count each of malice murder, aggravated assault and false imprisonment. And three counts of weapons possession during the commission of a crime. If convicted, she could be sentenced to life in prison. Put up a picture again. Right? See those tears? Those tears are there because she's in trouble, not because she's remorseful for the life that she took. Last year, the Georgia Assembly passed and Governor Brian Kemp signed House Bill 479, which repealed the state's Reconstruction Era citizens arrest law in the wake of Ahmaud Arbery's death and Kenneth Herring's fatal shootings. The new law specifically forbids the use of deadly force during citizens arrest. Now, Ms. Payne's attorney, they are arguing self-defense. They are saying she had no other choice because after doing all of that, according to the defense, she was simply in fear of her life. And so she had no choice but to load her gun and shoot the elderly Mr. Herring in cold blood in front of his wife. Ms. Dog, thoughts on this case? Well, first of all, kudos to you and your uh, watchers for putting pressure because you know it, this is necessary. Whether or not it's an unconscious bias or, frankly, just overworked prosecutors, you know they need um, pushes like, like this. And it's true that um, they. Um, the defendant does, you know, the defendant has a constitutional right to a speedy trial, but not the prosecutor. The prosecutor is kind of doesn't have that right to speed up the trial. And so she was out on bond. So she was not she was okay with the delays. So it did take this outside pressure to put it on. And in terms of like the actual self-defense argument that she's gonna have, I mean, it does sound 
pretty outrageous. But I have seen, we've all seen a lot of high profile cases recently where the person with the gun who initiated the argument ends up prevailing with the self defense. I mean, there was that popcorn murder trial out of Florida. I was astounded that they, he was able to get acquitted based on that. So, you know, the brother of the victim here has talked publicly about the problem with guns in America. And I think this case is a really good example. Like, how many times are we gonna allow the person with the gun to then claim that they needed to use it for self defense when the other person had no weapon. So whether or not this jury does the right thing or not, I think we have a much larger problem on our hands with these self defense and the use of guns in that way. Very well said, we're gonna continue to follow this story until completion. Policing for points, yeah, Atlanta police. They have been exposed for policing and getting points at the end of their shift. I'm talking about they get a certain amount of points for arresting juveniles, a certain amount of points for arresting someone on a felony. And then they get a certain amount of points for pulling somebody over on a traffic ticket. I am not kidding you. Let me give you some details. Put up the picture of the officer who blew the whistle. You can't see him, right? Because he's scared. He's not scared of community, he's scared of other cops. Because I don't care what you tell me about the police, the police know the police. And he has remained anonymous while blowing the whistle on other cops. CBS 46 investigation has uncovered an incentive system that encourages police officers to write more tickets, to have more interaction with the community, thus, making the potential of disaster foreseeable. Atlanta police officers tell us that they were rewarded points based on their policing actions. Let me give you some background to this. Put up the chart, there's actually a chart that CBS 46 News in Atlanta was able to uncover. This is called the performance evaluation chart, okay? A former Atlanta police officer who worked in law enforcement for nearly two decades told the reporter, Rachel Polanski, he said, now keep that chart up for me. At the top left, you'll see where it says target goals are based on an average of eight credits accumulated per day worked. So they gotta get eight points. So when they go to work, they gotta get eight points, okay? Meaning that I have Eight points a day is what the officer said. Writing a ticket earns APD officers 1.5 points, while a felony or juvenile arrest is worth five points. Wait a minute, so if you lock up two children, you're good for the whole damn day. You get two juveniles, let me get this right, let me do the math here. You get two juveniles, No, you get one juvenile and two traffic tickets, you can go home. That's eight points, that's what it says right here. You get five points, excuse me, 1.5 points for a felony. Uh, Juvenile arrest is worth five points, it's 1.5 points for a ticket. Yeah, my math is right. All right, writing a traffic ticket earns APT officers 1.5 points. A felony juvenile arrest is worth five points. 
Meanwhile, calls for service, this is important. Calls for service, right? That's when the cop is being the good guy. You know, cat in the tree, can't talk to my kid, things like that. Well, how much do you get for that one? You get 0.25 points, 0.25. I'm not going to lie, the officer said, if I think the person has the finances to pay it, I will stack those tickets. Does this system encourage officers to do police work that earns them more points? The reporter posed the question. The cop said, and I quote, "Oh yeah, absolutely, because I might decide to sit somewhere in the cut and wait for somebody to glide through stop signs, especially a stop sign that I know people are definitely going to miss. I will sit there and wait there for my points." Are you outraged yet? A point system, policing is not a damn video game. Points, you gotta get eight points a day. And they tell you what's worth the most points. How dare they give juveniles the most points? So you get incentivized for locking up children. We're talking about Atlanta. So what color are these children you think? What race are they? What demographic do they belong to? It creates an incentive for them not to deescalate, for them not to figure out a community resolution, but for them to figure out how to put handcuffs on you, even if the charges don't stick. There's more. The deputy chief is standing by this program, put up his picture. His name is Darren Sheerbaum, okay? Darren is defending the point system by APD. But a current officer in zone four who did not want to be identified has also gone on record. Now I want to remind you, the deputy chief is saying, well, um, we do this in order to track you know, the productivity of our police officers. There is no incentive or reward. We just want to know that they're working to serve the community, to make sure that taxpayers are getting the bang for their buck, lies. And I got proof. Current zone four police officer who did not want to be identified because he's afraid of his coworkers questioned that statement. Saying if that was true, talking about what the chief said, if that was true, why would calls for service only be worth 0.25 points while traffic tickets are worth 1.5 points? He said both policing functions often take the same amount of time. He believes the point system may entice officers to ignore their calls for service, which include 911 calls. So they do more traffic stops, which earns them more points. Uh, and by extension, ladies and gentlemen, they arrest more juveniles. Okay, all right. So literally, you get a 911 call, the operator goes to dispatch. Operator says, hey, call for service uh, in your area, police ignore it. They ignore it because they're only gonna get 0.25 points. You know how many calls of service you gotta do in order to get your eight point total in this ridiculous system? There's more. CBS 46 News got a hold of an email and APD Zone 4 Major sent his officers praising, praising the evening watch, that's the shift, for, and I quote, going from 85 stops in a week to 180 stops in week two. 
and shaming the morning watch who finished last with a disappointing 112 stops. Mm. Some of you may be thinking, well, Doc, surely Atlanta police, they're not the only ones with this dumbass system. Maybe this is systemic. Well, we check. Let's put it up. Milwaukee police. Milwaukee police said, and I quote, we do not have an evaluation of officers' activity. Miami-Dade police said, and I quote, the Miami-Dade Police Department does not utilize any point system for evaluation. Philadelphia police said, and I quote, our police department does not do this. New York police said, and I quote, the NYPD does not evaluate our members in this manner. Specifically, we do not award points based on activity of law enforcement. Boston police, our police department does not do this. Cleveland police, the Cleveland Division of Police does not use any programs like the one described. Austin police, we currently do not have any programs in place similar to this model. And the list goes on and on and on. This is the city of Dr. King. You have a young, supposedly progressive mayor, Andre Dickens. You got plenty of black folks on the council. How in the hell did this happen? You have a black mayor, a black police chief, put up his picture. I know they put the deputy chief out there to talk and defend the program, but that is Chief Rodney Bryant. He's the guy in charge of the police department. Now, when I tell you I'm disappointed, that is an understatement because I know some of these folks at Atlanta City Hall and they should be more outraged than me. You're giving cops incentives to lock up juveniles. Ms. Dahl, in all of your years working as an officer of the court, have you seen a sophisticated system like this for law enforcement ever? I haven't, and the fact with the juveniles to me is also the most disgusting part of it. I mean, I think usually with these things, you could say follow the money, right? I mean, mm. the parking tickets, where is the money going to the parking ticket? Is it going to the police department, right? I mean, there's that's usually the incentive here is greed. And maybe a way to solve it is having the money go to the public school system instead, right, for this. For, for the tickets that they pull over. No longer have that tied to you know whoever gets the money is also the one who kind of oversees how often it's gonna get pulled over. Cuz you know, as you said, I mean, that pulling over somebody is the highest, that interaction is the highest touch point where police officers are killed and much more that people are killed and a majority of them are people of color. So it creates a very dangerous situation and for them to have this kind of incentive, it's probably because of the money. So I say let's let's solve the money problem. And, and I'm going to say this on the record because I know a lot of people in the city of Atlanta watch this show. A lot of those in elected capacity watch this program. You're going to have to change this. This has to go. Now, the next time I report on it, I should be reporting that you have scrapped this ridiculous system that creates targets and points out of citizens rather than 
making them who they are, which is a community you're supposed to serve. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Uh, let me remind everyone, the watch list, all right? Make sure you tune in an amazing show. The big homie JR Jackson on youtube.com forward slash watch list TYT, subscribe there. You can follow and like on facebook.com forward slash watch list TYT. Weekdays live, 12 p.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Find out what stories you should be paying attention to. News, politics, culture, current events, sports and more. Always a beautiful, beautiful show. All right, see what you remember, Mickey C the silver haired dragon says, those tears are tears of shock. After all, she's grown up with the right of white people murdering black men in cold blood and she can't believe that it's starting to change. Very little, but a change, yeah, I agree. I am Sox says, somebody needs to explain to me how a quota point system can exist with unlimited overtime. Exactly, <laughs> right? Uh, G-Man, if it was a black woman that killed a white man, she would have been in jail that day. Mm-hmm. Kevin Bard, and I remember this episode, Kevin. Kevin Bard says this point system was literally a storyline from season one of the comedy Reno 911. Was that show actually a training manual for real cops? I remember that episode ironically, uh, and I like Reno 911. I like the new season too. Uh, Twitch, <clears throat> fat guy named Tiny says, that makes it premeditated murder in my opinion. She was told to stand down, she said no, she intended to kill. I agree with you. All right, very good point. New Moon JLP says, I assume there are no points for successfully mediating or de-escalating a potentially dangerous situation, mm. right? All right, there's an update. There's an update to the Brooklyn subway shooting, all right? Horrific scene, we talked about this yesterday. We got more details, the suspect has now been apprehended, let's put up his picture. His name is Frank R. James, 62 years of age. Um, they are calling him both a person of interest and a suspect. We're now splitting hairs on that. He's the individual that they have now detained for the crime, all right? Uh, as the hunt continued, you got uh, elements of assistance coming in the uh, offer of $50,000. Uh, we don't know if that was the catalyst to bring him in. Uh, James is said to have a past criminal record in New Jersey, which includes three arrests on charges related to petty larceny, disorderly conduct and trespassing. He actually has no history with violence. <clears throat> now, some people would debate me on that because there's one charge of terroristic threats, but investigators said that those threats were just similar to ones commonly made by someone who's upset or emotionally disturbed, um, Crime Stoppers released photos on their Twitter account. The gunmen set off smoke grenades in a crowded subway, fired at least 33 shots with a nine millimeter handgun. Let's go to some of the video.
horrifying. Uh, these individuals were simply trying to go to their destination, maybe work, maybe home, maybe on a date. Uh, at this point, we know that five victims are in critical condition, but they are expected to survive, all right? And at least a dozen people who escaped the gunshot, uh, who escaped, got wounds, they've been treated. Um, others were injured because of the smoke. Uh, this is a developing story. Now, if this individual committed these crimes, Mr. Frank James, um, if he committed these crimes, uh, that's an evil thing to do. Total disregard for human life. Uh, Ms. Dahl, thoughts on this case? It's so tragic and the number of people terrorized is I mean, it's so large. You know, I mean, sub, the subway system in New York is essential. And this kind of speaks to what we talked about in the last segment is the gun problem in America. How are we the, uh, you know, this country where we believe that you can have the American dream? How does it coexist with the kind of gun violence we're having? It's going to become unlivable. That, and it seems like he has some mental awareness. Uh, illness, you know, his tirades, his video tirades. He seems very um, aware of what's happening in the news. He knows specifically about the mayor's homeless problem. So, you know, and that also to me speaks to how we talk about sometimes the right um, or anybody who, you know, talks about current events in a way that, you know, can lead somebody with mental illness to maybe act in a violent way that they wouldn't have. I think we should all also realize the discourse that we have. So there's a lot of things actually, I think that are present in this. I don't know if anyone's gonna do anything about it. I'm always wishing something will change, but unfortunately it just seems like we have one other attack like this after another with nothing changing. Yeah, it is sad and I'm going, I'm going to read this for one of my producers. Uh, the police were alerted to his presence by pictures on social media that showed him wandering around the area of East Village. Police engaged with him at 1.42 PM Eastern time without incident. So it seems as if he was unaware that he was basically the most wanted man in America. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel French! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. You've already been asked to leave. What's your name? When You've already you been asked to leave. to leave. When did you ask? First when I when I said I was calling security. You can't ask us to, to leave. And as a matter of fact, you want to record? I'm going to record you as well too. Yeah, there's a there's actually a code of conduct when you walk in. You it guys agree to it. You're, you're not filing your code of conduct, and I'm going to let the manager know ten name? minutes early. As you had We're not closed. Planning on coming and spending money with you. You actually, with, with your rudeness, you made it so that nobody wants to buy. I didn't say we were closed, man. I just it said you matter. can't shop here. You don't here. need to tell me not to lean on here. You don't have a sign that yeah, says I can. anything like that. Well, I guess can. what? what because this is it? our business. It's it not your matter. business, ma'am. It's not your business. You're just a little peon that works here. And as soon as your manager Boy, finds you're out gonna... what dickhead you are, I don't know if you'll have a job anymore. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you think that. Where's the security? They're on their way. Oh, really? In the meantime, you guys I'm sure can. you probably call them all the time, so they probably won't even come because you're just. Oh, no, it's the first.
been over here since Christmas. She we were pushing out the jewelry. Can you not lean on that? I just got through cleaning it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, so she called me a peon. Just right now, yeah. Now he's calling security because we are... Because you're being belligerent. You guys are violating the mall's code of conduct. Because I'm actually standing up to you. Because you have obviously had... Yeah, I asked you not to dirty up something that I'm cleaning. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter. You see, I actually have a right to say, please don't do that. It again because I'm leaning all over again. Okay. Classic heronicity, not respecting the regular authority. I mean, this is just a guy who's running an establishment who says something very simple. But because, according to her, he's a peon, he doesn't have the right status, is what she's saying. He doesn't have the right status to engage her in that way. There's more video. Here it is. Say, you guys come uh, over here and clean this one as well. Too, okay. Along with this one. Yeah, we'll just we'll yeah. post that up. You guys can be famous. Go yeah, for it. Okay. Did you obviously have nothing better to do than harass customers? I'm actually just standing here, ma'am. You're the one who's dirtying up my store on purpose. Okay, go ahead and give me your manager's information so I can call them first. Oh, the trust morning. me, he'll be calling you for the cleaning bill after this because you guys were deliberately <laughs> vandalizing our property at this point. Vandalizing. You, you, what, what's wrong with you? You? Are, do you your feel behavior? Sorry? It's do upsetting. You, do you need to go to school? Do you need to educate yourself? Do something with your life? I I'm mean, sorry that you have a job that's so... You're, uh, you're the one throwing a tantrum in the mall, ma'am. I mean, it seems no, like if anybody needs to learn etiquette, it's you. millennials who have this entitlement attitude, okay. who act like people owe you something. You know, we lost something along the way. The value of a person cannot be summarized by these external things. People are valuable, period. You can clearly see, clearly see in that back and forth that this particular Karen is not that she's just upset because someone has told her to do something she doesn't want to do. It's because it's coming from someone who does not have status in her opinion. And this is the reaction. But you know, we do something here with Indisputable. As I always say, we provide a mirror, a mirror for reflection. And correction, you gotta get yourself right, Karen. You're foul. How you talk to that guy and the way you behaved is foul. That's a hard working individual and you decided to make his job harder and to demean him in the process. Ms. Dahl thoughts. Absolutely, I completely agree with the fact that she again thought he was less than her. I mean, I can see she doesn't like being told not to lean on the glass. It probably is hard to look at rings and not lean on the glass, but she can leave. You know, but instead, because we can disagree with people, we don't always have to agree with the way everybody else does things. But it's the how we disagree and to have this acceptability in our society. And we do, I think we have some measure of acceptability that we are allowed to judge other people and decide who is on the ladder, are they above us or below us? Um, and, and act accordingly instead of thinking that we are actually all just standing side by side. If we did that, uh, oh, I, I, we would be, like you said, so much better as humans. That's right. Uh, we did identify them. Let's put a, a picture of the happy couple. Okay. 
They have been identified as Helen and boyfriend Bijarano. They are, yeah, on TikTok. Racist seminar. <laughs> Such a damn shame. This was at a concealed carry event, all right? So this was at a Vegas concealed carry event on April 10th. This was a really, really racist presentation. But let me first bring you to this. Here it is. The rules are different for the races, right? So firearm safety for white people. Always put your beard down before handling the firearm. Always keep your finger out of your nose while shooting. Always wear a wife beater on the range. And always make sure there are no minorities in your backdrop. Are you so? How the white crowd became increasingly uncomfortable with those jokes. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, that was just the pretext for his real jokes that he wanted to tell. So he decided to lead with those in order to tell these jokes that received a roaring round of applause. Here it is. Before you guys get to laughing too much. Always shoot the gun right side up. Always lick the chicken grease off your fingers before shooting. Always make sure there's a white person around so you have someone to blame for everything that goes wrong in your life. Whoa, we were okay with the regular racist stuff. But man, when you're a racist presenter in front of a crowd of racist people, and you have just told a racist joke that made them go, whoa, buddy. Let's put up his picture. We've identified him. All right. Nephi Kaliki was the instructor at the CCW gun safety seminar. He later defended his racist routine on Twitter, we got it. He said, people got equally roasted in my class at the Liberty last Sunday. I am a minority, FYI. Well, no, they did not get equally roasted, sir. Your jokes were decisively much more bigoted, racist, and insensitive against the black community. He continued, however, he also said, I am a minority and I was the one telling the jokes. I am an Afghan American and I come from a Muslim family. For those to use my comedy and my event as fodder for your political nonsense is shameful. That audience was my audience and it was comprised of a wide mix of racists. I mean, racist. Yeah. Um, here are some of the GOP candidates that attended the seminar. Let's put them up. There, there they go. All right. You got candidates for Congress, 
candidate for US Senate, candidate for sheriff, and candidate for governor. <laughs> they were in their element. No need to do that kind of presentation, all of those racial tropes, talking about gun safety. That is not only distasteful, but really a shock to the conscience. But for this individual, it is normative. You have to check things like this in society because that person feels protected because of those damn laughs. Well, I'm not laughing with you. There's a whole lot of people around this country who are not laughing with you. All right, Ms. Dahl, thoughts? I was so disgusted by that video. Yeah. Just so horrible. Those legislators that are there should really have spoken out against it. Minorities can definitely be racist against other minorities. They can be racist against even themselves. So that doesn't excuse anybody's behavior. And you know, his comment in particular about the children to me yeah. was the most offensive. And it speaks to a little bit of what we just talked about, about the point system of locking up juveniles. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, if you are making this joke, it's because there is this perception that black children are worthless or destined to crime and it makes it okay then for a police officer to be more likely to arrest them. So this is something that regardless of whether or not it was done to do a punchline, it does speak to how we treat black children in our country. And right. I, I was just disgusted by it. Very well said, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, all right, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments and get to it. All right, V says, leaning on the glass can actually break it too, Karen. It's a safety hazard, that's true. Um, Texas two-step dragon, what's up with the proxy Karens that stand by and let this stuff go on? That guy was just, that guy just let her go off instead of telling her she was making a fool of herself. It's like the cops to watch another cop beat up someone just as bad, yeah. Wow, these guys are getting brazen with the racism these days. Where's the white hoods at? Yep, in the trunk of the car. Yeah. Not Dweezel, aka Tailwagon Dragon. Uh, what, no watermelon joke? I'm sure that was probably in the next slide. Uh, Robo Blake, what do Karen's think that recording, why do Karen's think that recording is their worst enemy? Yeah. Yep, all right, this is airship right. This is why if cops get guns, sales, if cops, this is why if cops get guns, sales get tasers. Okay, I, I don't know. All right, interesting, Florida teacher gets arrested for playing music, blasting music inside of the school. I got mixed feelings about this one. Let me say that up front, let's put up a picture of the teacher. The guy actually had a solid point, okay? I know he got arrested and he should not play loud music during testing. He did, there's a reason. So he's a Florida middle school teacher. He was blasting music while students took a standardized test. All right, that is disruptive. His name is Martin Reese. You're looking at Mr. Reese. He's an art teacher in Florida who felt he had to stand up for kids and protest the standardized testing taking place in this classroom. So let me say this before I continue with the story, okay? I am anti-standardized test, that's where I'm at. I think standardized testing 
is a monopoly, it is a multi-billion dollar industry, and it has been utilized in discriminatory fashion for decades. Big money in standardized testing. And typically it does not actually solve any problems. It doesn't really say how well a student who works hard, how well they would do. I know this, I've been a professor for years. So Martin felt that it was his duty to do this. Um, he also added that the stress of the pandemic made the forced testing inappropriate. He had a solid point there. The teacher who was hired just three weeks ago, <laughs> he was only hired three weeks ago, all right? Since he was disgusted at the student situation. He claims it's unfair to make students sit in a classroom after two years of grappling with COVID-19 pandemic to take a test that would be retired after this spring. Solid point, uh, the test is no more after the spring, okay? That test or testing period is typically connected to funding for an institution. And if you can show increase in performance, you get more money from your state and federal government. It also qualifies your school for increased grant funding from private organizations. Now we should kind of work the other way. Uh, where if you have an academic problem, you should then qualify for more money. But if you show that you have academic challenges, you then receive less money for your institution. All right, uh, the scene was live streamed on Martin's Instagram page before police arrived and escorted him out of his classroom. The school briefly went into lockdown during the disturbance. Uh, I think that was overkill. I think they overreacted uh, with that. Uh, Reese states that the reason he blasted the music is so the entire school will have to retake the FSA. And he talks about his beliefs within the school system, as well as speaking up for poor students and how the teaching staff is underrepresented by the black community. Once again, he's making solid, solid points, okay? Martin expressed that I quote, the whole world changed on them. And now we put all this pressure on them to take a test. I'm gonna get into the arrest in a minute. Now, I wanna remind you that we are starving in K through 12 education for real teachers who are student advocates. We're starving for that, okay? So you, you got a guy who's doing something that's definitely a student advocacy model. He's doing it to advocate for the students. Now, is he doing it in a way that disturbs the status quo? Of course he is, it is a protest. If Protest makes you comfortable, it is not a protest. It is meant to make you uncomfortable. There's more, so let's talk about the arrest. Reese was charged with disrupting a school function and disorderly conduct. He since bonded out of jail and was dismissed from his position at Creekside Middle School. The Department of Education claims the state assessments play an important role in educational equity which ignores the proven negative consequences of high stakes testing that disproportionately impacts minority and low income communities, all right? Once again, the brother had a solid point. Negative consequences include the loss of valuable opportunities to learn due to testing preparation, the narrowing of curriculum to focus on testing standards, and the stigmatization, the stigmatization of students and schools as failing or in need of intervention based on faulty interpretations of what test scores actually mean. 
And I wanna explain this because there are a lot of people that will say on the post, well, you know, there are such things as bad schools. Well, schools are typically a reflection of the social economic environment around them. Schools typically are unable to address all of the social economic variables that may lead to decreased performance when it comes to standardized testing. We need a holistic approach, which takes full integration of community, government and school system. Standardized testing favors students from high income families. We know that based on data in a 2015 analysis from inside higher ed found that in each of the three parts of the SAT, the lowest average scores were among students from families who make less than $20,000 in family income. While the highest averages were among students from families who make more than $200,000. Let's put up his picture again. The brother had it right, okay? He had it right. Now he went to jail. There are some things that are worth going to jail for. And because of his passion about this, his advocacy, fine, he gets a charge. I hope his charges get dismissed. But even more so than that, I hope this sparks a true dialogue about the ills of standardized testing in the United States of America and the industry it promotes. All right, Ms. Dahl, thoughts here. Yeah, I think one of his defenses could be First Amendment. You know, it is true mm. that your First Amendment rights are limited in a school, but I would definitely argue that for him if I was him. And yeah, maybe he has a life in advocacy. He might have a hard time getting another job since, as you said, he was only there three weeks before this. But he really is highlighting a good point. There's so many things that we could fix in our education system. One thing that California does, they passed a law a few years ago, and instead of your zip code money going to the school that your zip code is based, the money is distributed based on need. So wealthy community is not sending all their property tax money to that school. So there's things like that. I think standardized testing was trying to address a problem of not allowing kids to fall behind. But like you said, it's not really working. So there's other creative things that could be done because we don't want students to be failed by whatever school that they're in. Yeah, and there's another study that coincides with the sentiment of this educator that shows when there's a school system with standardized testing, then they take a lot of time away from actual curriculum in order to prepare for those tests. So you're teaching kids to pass a test rather than teaching them to pass the game of life. You're teaching kids to pass a test rather than learn the actual curriculum that's in front of them. And you use a memory aspect, you basically get them to memorize short term to dump all of that information into a test and they've learned absolutely nothing. They did not digest anything because we're teaching a memory model rather than a learning model. So I concur with the sentiment of this educator. I'm actually okay with the fact that he was willing to go to jail. I think that means you stand up for something and you're willing to accept the consequences. And I hope to hear more from him. Because this is what you call educational leadership. It is rare that we see a school teacher willing to take this kind of stand. So on that, I applaud you, sir, because we need more school teachers who are willing to be bold advocates for those they teach. And one thing about him, those students will never forget that school teacher stood up for him, stood up for them. They will never forget what he did, all right? So big ups to you for doing that, all right. For those who are watching us via linear television, 
Uh, that concludes our time on Indisputable. Always good to be with you. If you can try to check us out, just go over to one of our streaming platforms uh, and we will continue the show with a few more segments and the bullpen. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. Here's the pattern that we see in all of these Karen stories. They think they own stuff they do not own. Now, where does that come from? I don't know, maybe slavery. Maybe they think they should still own black people. This is what happens when Karens weaponize the police. When you're used to privilege, equality seems like oppression. It hits you in a certain way when someone is holding you against your will, treating you like you're a criminal and you're an innocent person. This is something that black people face no matter where they are. A stronger black economy lends itself to a stronger, greater economy. Don't think it's exclusive of you, it's inclusive of you. What's your beef with critical race theory? It adds more fuel to the fire of the racist tendencies that we already have. We have a generation of problem solvers that can remedy the problem if they are properly taught what the problem is. You know who created redlining in this country? Mm-hmm. The white liberal. I, I, don't, I don't give a damn who created it. If it's no, a racist I, I, policy, I, I, racist I, policy. Shelly, here's what I, I don't know. I don't know. See, there you go filibustering, brother. You're scared of this truth, but you're gonna get it though.